I'm just so thankful to be here, and, and if my calculations are correct, this is uh, the 25th time that Randy and Darla have blessed me with the privilege of standing in this pulpit and um, preaching to you. And so uh, I'm, I'm honored to be here, and I'm so thankful that we're in a church. Aren't you glad to be a Texan? Aren't you glad to, that, that uh, it's okay to pray and it's okay to worship God? Yeah. This is the very first time since I started speaking here six years ago, this is the very first time that I get to stand before you and I'm not being sued by atheists. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Headline. Prayer can continue in court as appeal deadline passes. So a decision by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals allowing Justice of the Peace Wayne Mack to start his court proceedings with prayer will stand for after the deadline passed. Yeah. Because of y'all. This, this is the funny part. This is, this is what the Freedom from Religion atheist folks said, and y'all are streaming this. So I, this morning I could be a little more, I, had to behave, I have to behave now. Eight o'clock, I didn't have to behave. But this is what they said. We did not want to take this case to the Supreme Court. We felt, <laughs> cracks me up. We felt confident the Supreme Court would have used it to create a bad law. <laughs> oh, Lord bless them. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I just don't. I don't have, Lord bless them. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. But I'm, I'm thankful today that I'm at the Lone Star Cowboy Church. And those of you viewing online, welcome to the, one of the most exciting dynamic churches in the whole world. You got Lone Star with, with the, the Texas, and you got Cowboy in the middle of it. You can't get any more Texan than that, right? Aren't you thankful today that you're in a church that embraces the Word of God? Over and over again, Randy and the ministry team here preach and live the Word of God. Amen? I'm so thankful that we're part of the church of the living God that's not directed by the winds and the chaos of our culture. Uh, we, in this room, we know how many genders there are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> we, we know. Well, there you go, Wayne. You're going to get sued again. You're going to get canceled. <laughs> Behave. There, it's online. We know, we know what the rainbow is and what the rainbow is not. We, we don't live in a democracy of moral values where we get to vote what we want to be moral and what we want to be true because thus saith the Lord. Somebody say amen. 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 I praise God that his word is our compass in the storm he, 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 for our families and for individuals and for our community and for our nation. This word is a light unto our path and, and will guide us no matter how dark it gets. I don't care who's in the White House. What matters is who is in your house in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you know, we, uh, we this church and we believe in worship here and, and I've had people, I, I don't, you know, I, I preach at all kinds of churches. You, you name the flavor I've preached there. I, I, I even preach at a Muslim mosque about the deity of Jesus Christ. Go figure. And, and Methodist and Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Baptist, you, you name it. Uh, I, I think the only church I haven't spoken at is a Jehovah Witness church. And if you're watching this, uh, feel free. I'll come, and, I'll come speak. But 
I've noticed in the day and age we live in that we're seeing a, a, a thrust even, I, I, I was born Wesleyan Methodist, and I remember when Daryl Hoefling raised his hands for the first time during a worship service, the scandal it caused in that church. And I know people that say, well, I just don't like all that emotional stuff. But I, you know, I, I don't like it when the preacher asks me to lift my hands and clap and praise the Lord. Uh, uh, I don't like when the praise team asks me to do that. And guess what? God doesn't need your praise. He don't. He's not an egomaniac. He's not looking for somebody to come pat him on the back. He doesn't need Tony Robbins to tell him how good he is. All right? He, he, he does not need your praise. Because Jesus even said, if you don't do it, the rocks will cry out. So you don't need, he don't need your praise. But what you, you need it. You need to praise the Lord. That's the Lord telling me to move on. You need to praise the Lord. <laughs> you need to praise the Lord. You need to worship God. You and your house, for as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This book says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So if you're breathing here today, Go ahead and let's praise him. If you're not breathing, don't make me go to work today, okay? I don't want to have to do that. <laughs> All right? Praise God. Turn to 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 12 in your Bibles, please. I'm glad this church brings your Bibles, and, and, um, and, and a lot of churches will put the scriptures up on the screen, but we've gotten away from, I'm glad to see churches that carry a big leather-bound Bible. Bring your Bible to church. I wish every church in America would get back to carrying the Word of God. You say, well, I got my phone. Well, okay, well, get your Bible. <laughs> now, Paul is writing to his problem children, the church at Corinth, in this book. He stayed with them in 1 Corinthians as he wrote there. He wrote that letter after he'd been there for 18 months, and he, he wrote the church at Corinth, and he finds himself writing this letter three years. Uh, he was in Ephesus for three years, and so he's writing back to his second letter to the church at Corinth, and they were his problem children. In the first uh, book of, of Corinthians, he's talking about sexual immorality, and they were hung up on who baptized them. I was baptized John. I was baptized Paul. So I was baptized Paul. And they were hung up on tradition and, and what they should eat, what they shouldn't eat, whether they should be married, should they not be married. And, and, he, and so in, this, in, chapter, in the second book, he says, look, Cleo, come to me, and y'all got some problems. And so Paul starts talking to them about this in this book. And so he, you know, Paul was the Gentile apostle. Uh, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And so when he begins here in chapter one, he, he starts telling him, it is, it is doubtless and not profitable for me to boast. I've come to visions and to revelations of the Lord. I, I know a man 14 years who, whether he was in body or not in body, that God spoke and, and he was caught up to the third heaven. You go to verse 4, it says he's caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which were not lawful to utter to man. And of such I will not boast because I, I don't want anybody to think I'm bigger than, than what I am. And he, he goes on to say here, for I might, not, I might desire to boast, but I'm not fool enough to do it. But I refrain lest anyone should think of me above and, and what he sees or hears from me. In the book, he's opening up to these problem children in Corinthians, and he's saying, look, I've done all these things. Paul was the, was the Jew of Jews. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He, was, he stuttered under Gamaliel. He, he, was, he was very learned. He, he, he was very intelligent and very respected in the Jewish community. 
And, and as, he, as he's writing to them, he says, I could talk about all these things, these visions, revelations. When, when Paul said, the Lord said to me, it wasn't some crazy cousin that just wanting you to invest in his company, right? He, he, he was, he would, when Paul spoke, he spoke with apostolic authority. And so as he opens up to himself in verse 7, he says, Unless I should be exalted, be be above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pled with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore. Most gladly I will gather, I I would rather boast of my infirmities. Notice he said boast, he didn't say anything about posting. I'd rather boast of my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, God, that you would pour out your glory in this room today and those watching online. We pray, oh God, that we, we take spiritual authority over anything unclean or untrue that would inhibit the free flowing of your Holy Spirit, your purpose, your power, and your plan. We commit this time to you, God. I'm a fractured, broken vessel, but pr- please, Lord, flow through me. And one more time, God, let your word flow and touch somebody that needs to know you in the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. What is the biblical use of the word therefore? What is therefore, therefore? When you see this word in the Bible, it typically serves to connect truth with a proper response. In effect, it's it's saying, this is so, therefore do that. And so as we receive the word therefore, we see that link in that indicative statement of fact, imperative statement of response to the word therefore, you find it all over the Bible. That single word has great power. Because it brings together the work of God and the proper response of humanity to that word. You might even say that the entire Christian life is built on understanding what the therefores in the Bible are there for. And for the next few moments, I want to be preached to you, what are you there for? What are you there for? And I'm going to apologize to you people in the front row. You're in the splash zone right here, apparently. (laughs) Beginning at Genesis 2 all the way through Revelation 18, there are 1,237 therefores in the Bible. Now, as Texans, as Americans, because of our heritage, self-sufficiency is kind of a trademark. I think because of Sam Houston, our founding fathers, Christopher Columbus, who apparently got canceled a while back, set out on the sea and went to going searching for a land that nobody knew that they had. William Travis famously drawn his line in the sand at the Alamo. Davy Crockett, Lewis and Clark, Daniel Boone. We, we, self-sufficiency is kind of an American thing. I can tell you everywhere in the world when they see that American flag, they know hope is coming. And so as Americans, we kind of have a self-patriotic self-sufficiency. But if you look at the word of God, the essence of sin is really self-sufficiency. The essence of a Christian, Christianity is God's sufficiency. 
to diminish our self-deficiency, God sometimes will allow suffering to come into our lives. Paul was a great example of this. He was no stranger to suffering, yet his approach to some you may find strange because he bragged about having a thorn. He bragged about his weakness, which was strange that he would talk about it being a thorn in the flesh. 2 Corinthians 12 and 7 is a great, we, gives us a great question of, are, are, are you strong enough to be weak, but yet weak enough to be strong? The English Standard Version of verse 7 says, Therefore, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me be from becoming conceited. Paul, to be so he, so he would not become conceited, he was grounded in grace. He wasn't grounding in his feelings. He wasn't grounding on everything because everything was going his way. You look at Paul's life, and it was a, it was a, he, he, he was persecuted greatly for what he stood for. Now, what was the thorn that Paul was talking about? Many, many theologians have, have uh, talked about this for years. They, there's 2,000 years of literature. In fact, I looked at four commentaries, and those four commentaries listed everything from psychological anxiety because of his pre-conversion. You know, he, he, he persecuted per, uh, Christians. He held the robes while, while Christians were stoned. He, he had warrants on his, on his conversion to the road to Damascus. He um, had warrants for the arrest of Christians. He, he persecuted Christians. In fact, the first time he showed up at one city, all the church went, oh my God, that's him. Not knowing that he had been converted. They thought, well, where here we go. We're all going to jail. Maybe it was the anguish of, of Israel's refusal to believe the gospel, or maybe even depression. Others suggest that the thorn was the persecution that he received, not only from the Jews, but also from the Romans. Others summarize that it was some kind of physical illness. History shows, history, not the Bible, but history shows that Paul had multiple ailments, and because of he was beaten and left for dead multiple times, uh, if one historian says that by the time he got to Rome, before he finally gave up his life for the cause of Christ, uh, he was very disfigured just from the beatings. I might even say he might have been married and had a mother-in-law. Who knows? I know my mother-in-law is not watching this, so I feel pretty brag and pretty big about saying that. Although my wife's probably watching it, so I might be in trouble. Wife's at work today. That's why she's not here today. I do have a row of folks in my family here today. Good to see my daughter and her sons and my, my, my mediocre son-in-law. And uh... <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Oh, he's a great son-in-law. He's a great son-in-law. My beautiful niece, Miranda's here, and she loves when I call her out and say her name. But Paul gives us a gift of showing us there is a thorn. In fact, the very lack of, of specifically naming this thorn kind of gives us, uh, makes us understand that, that uh, it didn't matter what the thorn was. It mattered what Paul thought about the thorn. It mattered what Paul thought about the thing. See, the thorn is that thing that you don't want anybody to know about. That thing you're struggling with, that thing that you don't want everybody to know about because maybe you're embarrassed of it or the past or the shame or, or, or the guilt that may be associated with that. The thorn can be that thing. 
that past mistake, that, that past error judgment, that thing you did before you knew Jesus, that thing that, that hurt somebody else and you know it hurt them and you remember it over and over and over again. That thorn can be, that, can be painful, can be unbearable. Some of you have had some terrible things. I, I know several people attend this church that have had some very terrible things. Their families experienced some terrible things because of other things that people have done. Crimes that were committed, things, things that were done, things that hurt people. You could take any statement, and, and, and a lot of times as Christians, you can be crippled or, or, or for your usefulness because you, you say in your life, if only I didn't have this thorn, if I didn't have this blank, if I didn't have this thing in my life, then I could surely serve the Lord. History shows us that Paul worked hard for the kingdom. He had more prison uh, imprisonments. He was, he was not only jailed, but imprisoned. He was flogged and left. He was exposed to death over and over again. Three times he asked the Lord to take away that thorn. That lets me know there was a silence when God prayed the first, the first two times. There was a silence for Paul. The first two times he asked. And it, didn't, it, didn't, it wasn't removed. A lot of times in the kingdom of God, the math of God, um, subtraction is not always in the equation. In fact, God's spiritual operation is, is mainly addition. His grace is sufficient. That, that subtraction, that thorn that was there, but God's grace. One plus one in the, serving the Lord in your kingdom, your spiritual walk, one plus one doesn't always work equal to. But I can tell you this, if you have one problem and the grace of God, that equals all you need. If you have one addiction, hear me somebody, if you have one addiction or one hang up, plus the grace of God equals all you need. If you have one hurt or pain, I know in the, in the, in the, in the Christian community today, I, I come across so many people that say, well, I just don't go to church because there's too many hypocrites. I'm like, well, I'd rather go to church with them than go to hell with them. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Man, I wish I had a cowboy hat. I'd just fling that thing out there right now. Amen. Somebody needs to hear that. Get over your church hurt. Get over it. But again, Paul realized that God's, sufficient, God's grace was sufficient. What he thought about the thorn. And, and let me just tell you, there is no shortage of God's grace. No shortage. Now, here's another thing that's probably going to get me canceled. But do y'all remember the pandemic? <laughs> I'm sorry, the pandemic. The word shortage become a part of every part of our conversation. Every news article. Every news flash, every breaking news, every conversation, shortage, 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 shortage. Our grandchildren, our, my children, have, we had to learn what a supply chain issue was. Who'd ever thought? But what really got real to me is in the middle of all the chaos when my wife called me and said, I'm at HEB and they don't have toilet paper. In all the name, in the name of what all is true and holy, what in the world? Why toilet paper? That's a thorn, friend. 
I was raised by a Depression-era dad. He told me what Sears and Roebuck was really used for. <laughs> for you young people, there used to be a book, and you'd have to buy stuff. It was before Amazon, and, and they would, yeah, okay. You'll get the picture. You don't understand it, ask your mom or dad. They'll explain it. <laughs> Toilet paper. That was more than a thorn. That was a pain in the... <laughs> well, I'm in a cowboy church. I guess I could say it, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Bottled water. <laughs> Turn on the tap. Get this thing called a glass. <laughs> but bottle, we, and, and did you also notice in all the shortage and all the chaos and shortage of masks and shortage of ventilators and shortage of vaccines and shortage and all these things? But did you notice in that isolation of COVID, it began in the darkness of that isolation, we started to see things grow. Addiction and alcohol use just went through the roof. Assault family violence went through the roof. That's what happens when you turn, when the light gets turned off and the darkness comes in. There were no, there's no shortage of things in your life and in your neighbor's life and your family's life. There's no shortage of things that could make you feel bad about yourself. There's no shortage of thorns. There is no shortage of thorns. But there's also no shortage of grace. Someone said Amen. When you look at the throne of grace, you come to understand the meaning what Paul was talking about here, the thorn of grace. Paul was telling the church at Corinth that the transforming power of weakness would make him strong. When God reaches into your weakness, that's what grace looks like. And I got to tell you, my life work as a judge, I've been in office 3,369 days today. One hour and 20 minutes. And I can tell you, in the, in those, I've magistrated 8,000 people at the jail. I've had 1,000 and, and, and I think it's 138,000 cases processed through my court, civil and criminal cases and truancy cases. And I, I just had a young man in my, at the jail uh, yesterday. He was in there. He, he had come to my court and had, he got a DUI. He didn't take care of what he was supposed to. And there he was in jail. And I started talking to him, and he started telling me all the things that were going on in his life. There is no shortage of thorns, but there's also no shortage of the grace and mercy of God. Amen. Paul never let the thorn, the, the, the thorn being there never embittered him and never caused him. Grace is, is there to build you. It's also there to change you. Um, you may see in my life, you know, if you watch my social media account, it looks like it's all rainbows and puppy dogs and chocolate cake and all kinds of funny, funny, you know, and warm huggy stuff. I get real on there sometimes. I hear I've gotten real about some things about preaching here. Had some guy get on my account and tell me how evil I looked and told me to do things to myself that weren't biologically possible. Uh, <laughs> If you have a social media account, we've been pushing out our prayer breakfast we have in October, and they, they're just pounding on me. They're, they're trying to send links to, to stop people from registering and send them to weird stuff. And, and it, there's no shortage of chaos. There's no shortage of thorns. There's, and, 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 and though you may, I have a great life. Praise God, I have a great life. But all the great things you see are the grace of God because really I'm just one big thorn. Just ask my wife. 
Paul doesn't talk about the thorn in this chapter. He doesn't spend 15 chapters talking about the thorn. He talks about it. He, does, he, does, he says, I'm not going to boast about these things. And I mentioned he's not going to post about it. There's no poor me. He didn't, he didn't write to church at Corinth and say, oh, gay guys, I'm going to come see you as soon as I'm done at Ephesus. And we're going to get together and we're going to talk about the thorn and we're going to have a thorn party. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. And what we need to learn, what Paul is teaching us here, and he shows us in, in getting real and getting transparent about the thorn that was in his flesh is the theology of the thorn, and the theology of thorn is this. What is it therefore? Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in my firmities and approaches and needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Every time that thorn pushed into Paul, he viewed it as a gift. Paul teaches us not to look at the thorn, but look at the therefore. What are you there for? And sometimes in our lives, we get so stuck on what's wrong. We get so stuck on what somebody's done to us or what somebody said to us or what happened in our childhood and, and all the things. And I've, I had some terrible things happen to me as a child that no child should ever have to go through. I've been stuck by some things. But what is your gift therefore? 1,237 therefore is in the Bible. Here's a couple of my favorites. Romans chapter one. Therefore, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Amen. Romans chapter 12 verse one says, therefore brothers and sisters in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is true worship. One, one, translation, one translation says, which is the least you can do considering all God's done for you. Again, writing to the church at Corinth in his first book and his problem children that struggled with sexual immorality and the chaos of, of, of worshiping false idols and, and trying to bring false doctrine into the church, he, as he wrote to them in, Cor in Corinthians, he says to them, therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Praise God. Amen. He, he, he talked to them about his gift, the therefore. That's why, young ladies, your beauty is a gift. And so don't take your gift and spread it around and, and let some boy that doesn't not committed to you take your gift from you. And so that you become empty and undone because of, of something. Don't let the world talk you into giving away your beauty and your purity in Jesus' name. Someone said amen. Drives me crazy when people say the devil made me do this and the devil made me do that and the devil doesn't even have the keys to his own house. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. And, you, and, and we know that G, he says here in verse 8 concerning the, the pleading with the Lord, he asked the Lord three times. Three times he asked the Lord to take away the thorn. And the first two times he heard nothing. So there was silence. And all of us have periods of silence in our life where we ask God to do things. I've, I've walked through the valley of the shadow of divorce and not my choice. And, and, I, and, and I know what it is to have that brokenness of never feeling like I'll ever be loved again. The silence. It's been my experience that if God doesn't remove it, 
God's going to use it. And the, the thorn is, may, may not change immediately. You may not see, but the grace of God is there for you. You don't have to keep recreating your weakness so that you can, to try to deal with it. Great Christians have sharp thorns. It's called transformation. It's called sanctification. Amen. God didn't say yes to, to Paul the first two times, but he didn't say no. He was in that waiting place. He was in that transformation. He was in that therefore. Maybe you have prayed yourself. Maybe you've prayed and asked God, you know, I, this, this is my situation. I don't ever see it getting better. I, I, don't, I don't know where the answer's gonna come from. I've got some things going on in my family right now that totally has nothing to do with anything we've done, but things have been thrust upon us. And I don't know how I'm gonna pay for it. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know how, where it's gonna come from, but I know it's gonna be there because his grace is sufficient. I know it is. His grace is sufficient. My Lord. You're the angels. Oh, hey, Johnny. <laughs> Aren't you glad Johnny's a walking miracle? Amen. <laughs> and they are glad that you are there for. <laughs> I can't imagine not shutting down Randy Weaver. He'd be preaching for three days. Oh, Lord, I'm out of notes. You want to hear the rest of this message? Come back tomorrow night. <laughs> Amen. There were two voices in this text. There was a messenger of Satan, and there was a messenger of grace. Noah waited 120 years before he heard from God. He preached 120 years, repent, the flood's coming. Some of you left 10 minutes ago when you realized I was running over. Noah waited 120 years. Abraham, 25 years. Jacob, 20 years. Joseph was in prison for 13 years. Moses, 40 years on the backside of the desert. David waited 12 years after, 12 or 15 years after being a vote, uh, anointed king. Jesus waited 30 years. God manifested in the flesh, waited 30 years before he began his, his ministry. And if you're in a season of waiting, be patient because God's an on-time God. Amen. 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 And I know what it is to, to walk in brokenness. I know what it is to have that thorn. 20 years ago, I was told that I would no longer be married, and, and um, I didn't take that really well. I was one step away from ordination. And uh, so my life, I knew from the age of 14, I, I felt the call. I was filled with God's spirit at the age of 16 with a gift of the Holy Spirit and, and overflowing God's doing great things in my life and I never ever 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 imagined that I would find myself in that place the faith that I'm a part of if you, you get divorced uh, maybe 20 years later they might let you pick up the offering so I felt like my life was over as I knew it so I was in a dark dark place and so as I was doing that I was threw myself into work I had two jobs I was director of building services. I started as a custodian with the county. Many of you know that story. I started as a custodian, and now I'm a judge. I tell people my memoir is going to be from janitor to judge and all the crap I cleaned up in between. <laughs> it's a cowboy church. I can say, I, Tom, I can say crap. It's a cowboy church. You okay with that, Ray? All right. I was in a broken place. 
And on a Saturday, I was just going to go to work and just because I just needed something to numb my brain. And, and, uh, I, and at that point in my life, Ray, I hadn't picked up a Bible in five years because the oil doesn't wash off. You can run from God all you want, but once you've been sealed and once you've been filled with God's Holy Spirit, he don't go anywhere. You might, he doesn't. And so as I was running from God and, 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 and contemplating what life was and was it, was it gonna be, and I was about to leave, the, the, the shift was just about over and I was out here in Montgomery and they dropped a disturbance call out here off of uh, 1097 West. So I showed myself en route to it. I got there and it was a foster, a lady that fosters children and, and she, uh, she said, I got this girl here. She's 16 years old. She don't want to listen to anything I'm telling her to do. Um, she wants to run away. I'm just done with her. I, I'm done with her. I want her to take her away. I'm done with her. I remember this this time. Found her in a closet. Went and got her. Took her outside so we could talk. I spent, I was there two, three hours. Telling her the things that she could do. Felt the Holy Ghost. Telling her that her life wasn't over. This was her 10th placement. She'd been discarded 10 different times. People said, I don't want you anymore. Dad went to jail for the things that he, he did to her. I just poured into her, poured into her. I didn't know what I was there for. I had a thorn that was gouging me in my brain and my spirit. I'd never preach again. I'd never, I would, this, the whole life was turned around. It was a catastrophic failure God knew I was there God knew what I was there for God knew what I was there for you may be asking today what do you what, why am I here what, what why am I there what am I there for That day, I knew I was there for God. That little girl sitting on the front row said, Come up here, Michelle. Just give me four awesome grandchildren, sons of thunder. Three of them are sitting on the front row. Two awesome stepdaughters. Call him medi mediocre son-in-law, but he's actually a great son. I didn't know I was there, what I was there for. And I didn't adopt Michelle. Michelle adopted me. I was there for a reason. You know, if every place of worship in America, if one family every place of worship would take in a child there would be no CPS custody system there are 425 places of worship in Montgomery County right now there are 389 children that don't have anywhere to go this is a limiting example of being there and knowing what you're there for
know many of you are born again believers and you just needed a reminder today of what you're there for, the thing that you're going through. Paul wrote to the church in Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the faith chapter, and he named all these guys that I mentioned ago were, wait, were, were speaking, and, and he called the faith chapter. But then you go to Hebrews chapter one, Paul writes this. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin. Some of us today, we're carrying weight, and some of us are carrying sin. Some of us may know Jesus as a Savior, but we don't know him as a Lord. Which so easily ensnares us, let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Why, why was he there for? He, you were there. He was there for you. That's what he was there for. That's what he was on the cross for, so that you could walk in the abundance and that you could lay aside every weight and that you could continue as he did. He despised the shame and sits down at the right hand of God. What you think about your therefore is what matters. He stayed on the cross for you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. I don't know what weakness is. I don't know what your thorn is. I don't know what you're going through. You're here today because you needed something from God, and I hope you've received what the Spirit of the Lord is trying to say to you. You are there for a reason. Never has there been a day and age where the church of the living God needs to stand up and speak against the chaos. Be bold in your faith. Don't be afraid of being sued or being canceled. Stand up for Jesus. He said, pick up his cross and follow him. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. I don't want to rush this, even though the parking lot crew's probably having a nervous breakdown right now. <laughs> but I know enough about what I feel in my spirit. There's someone here. And every, every, every head bowed, every eye closed. But have you been struggling and you're there for? Have you been struggling in what you're there for? We're going to pray a prayer asking God's glory and purpose and plan to renew in itself today. But would you have the boldness? I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I, I, Lord, I, I've been struggling with what I'm there for. I've been struggling with some past hurt and pain. I, I've got a circumstance or situation. I got a lost loved one. I got someone in my life that is struggling. And you you want to you want pray for the prayer for them. Just simply raise your hand, please. We're gonna we're, thank you. All over the place. Every oh, this is beautiful. Praise God. Praise God. Father, you see every hand lifted. And Lord, you see every circumstance and situation. God, we come before the throne of grace, asking that these thorns would be subjected to your, that you are the God of grace. And God, in Jesus' name, that whatever it's there for, that we will celebrate your glory and your grace and your provision, Lord. We take dominion over everything unclean or untrue that would inhibit the free flowing of your Holy Spirit. Feel everyone that has their hand overflowing with your Holy Spirit, your purpose, your power, and your plan. Speak it so, Lord. Take away the hurt, take away the pain. 
let them recognize what it's there for. And let them turn and recognize that your grace is sufficient in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. You're here today. You've never received Jesus. You've never, you might know that he is a savior, but you don't know him as Lord. The prayer team is going to come up here and they're going to, you're going to be able to, they're going to be able to pray with you. But because of time and because of where we're at, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, would you pray this prayer with me? And let's all just pray it together. Lord Jesus, I know you died for me. And I know, Lord, if I repent of my sins and turn from a weight, turn from my sin, that you will come to me. Come to me, Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I profess that you are the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for coming into my life. I receive every gift you have for me. I receive every gift you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today. God bless you, those online. This is a wonderful church. Get involved, get engaged, and work for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name is our prayer. Praise God.